You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Next week is Easter and it's a time of year where most people who don't go to church are open to coming to church if someone would just invite them. And all it takes is for us to not have all the answers, not, not be able to answer everybody's questions and not be able to explain the gospel in perfect form, but, but just to simply say, sit with me. Sit with me. Would you come and see? That's, that's a phrase that we use here, here at our church is, is come and see. Come and see. And here's what you should know. When you say to someone, sit with me next week, or when you say to someone, come and see any Sunday, you're inviting them to a place where they're going to find life. You're inviting them to a place where they are going to find joy and hope. You know, I was, I was standing there as we were singing this, past, this last set that we just sang, and I said to my wife, I don't know why more people aren't a part of this. Like... I'm just sitting there singing, and the music is washing over. And I'm just like, I don't know why this place isn't packed out every single week. All it takes is to simply say, sit with me. Come and see. Come and see. You know, last week, uh, this past week, we did a 24-hour prayer chain uh, where we, we said, you know, uh, we want the people of our church to be more burdened for lost people. See, we want to be a church that's all about Jesus' mission, uh, Jesus said in, in Luke 19.10, I've come to seek and save the lost. And as a church, we want to seek and to save the lost. We realize that our mission is to see people raised to life in Christ. And we said we want to develop a greater burden for the people in our life. And the way that we're going to do that is by praying for them, by bringing them to God and also praying for ourselves, that God would break our heart for our city. God would break our heart for the people in our family, the people we work with who don't yet know him. And so this past week, we said, we're going to pray for 24 hours straight. And we said, you know, maybe praying for an entire hour might be a bit too much for some people. So what we're going to do is we're going to divide that into half-hour segments. So we had 48 slots that we asked you to sign up for. And we actually filled up those 48 slots. And we had to add another 48 for people to sign up for to be praying. And so what happened this past week... Starting at midnight on Wednesday, all throughout the night, and all day Wednesday, going until midnight on Thursday, we had people praying for 24 hours. And what we prayed for is that God would break our hearts. He would give us a burden for the people in our lives so that we wouldn't remain silent any longer. We prayed God, that God would be working in their life, in their, in their heart, in their mind to accept an invitation to come and see the life that they've been longing for. And so, so, so we prayed that this past week, and I'm ready to see this movement of God in our midst takes pla take place that we've never seen before. And so I don't know about you, I hope you're getting ready and prepared for what God's gonna do in us and through us as we say, come and see. And the reason why we're focusing on all this is because we've been in this series called 1%, and, and today we're at the conclusion of that series. And, and what we've asked in this series is what if we could be a church, not to reach our entire city, but just a church to reach 1% of our city. The city of Norfolk has 250,000 people in it. That's a quarter of a million people. And we said, what if we could just reach 1% of our city? What if we could grow to become a church of 2,500 people? 
What if we could do everything we could to let people in this city know that God loves them, he cares for them, and he's called them to a greater purpose? What if we just simply said to people, come and see? Do you think we could grow to be a church of 2,500 people? You better believe it. If we just talk about what we love, if we just talk about the Savior who's transforming us and changing us and saying, you got to come and see the hope that I've found because I know you're looking for it too. And as we talk about reaching 1% of our city, it's not so we can be a big church. Some of you might hear that and you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to be a big church. I don't want us to see 2,500 people here. What's wrong with you? What? You don't want to see 2,500 people pack this place out? It's against fire code. We can't fit that many people. We have to do two worship experiences. But we want to be a church, not to be a big church. Not, not so we can say, look at us, and not even for the numbers. But we want to be a big church because we're about Jesus' mission. And if we're seeking and saving the lost and telling more and more people, the people you care about, your friends, your family members, come and see them, we will grow as a byproduct. And we're not all about the numbers just to be all about the numbers. We're all about the numbers because we understand that every number is a name. And every name is a person who matters to God. And we said we cannot sit idly by and enjoy great worship music like what we just experienced. Great and amazing, phenomenal, out-of-this-world preaching. <laughs> and keep it. <laughs> I'm just joking about that part. But and keep it to ourselves. we got to tell people, hey, come and see. Come and see. No doubt you've, you've seen that we, we've set things up a little differently today. If you've, if you've been coming to our church, you, you can see this is a different setup, and, and you've probably noticed all the chairs that we've placed out. I'm going to get to those a bit later. But first, uh, I want to teach you about what some people would view um, as the most controversial thing that Jesus ever said. I would say it's the most compassionate thing that Jesus ever said, but some people say it's controversial. And this compassionate thing that Jesus said isn't a sermon, it's not even a paragraph, but it's just one sentence that he said. And, and I believe that depending on how you view this one sentence, it will either uh, divide people or unite people, uh, but I want to show you why it's the most compassionate thing Jesus ever said. Now, before I tell you what it is, um, here's what you need to understand, um, that Jesus comes to us from this approach of love and grace, right? And so Jesus said this thing that's, that's so compassionate, some people see it as controversial because they don't quite understand uh, who Jesus is and, and what he's trying to get across. And so before I tell you what it is, would you take a moment to write it down in your note card? This is the, the title for my sermon, The Most Compassionate Thing. Jesus ever said, the most compassionate thing Jesus ever said. And I want to let you know this too. If you're not a Christian today, I am so honored that you're here. I'm glad you're here. My hope is that you continue to come back, that you ask some questions, you press into Jesus, and you get your questions answered. But I want to teach you today why some Christians may seem overly annoying about pushing their faith on people. So, so I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the reason why some Christians seem overzealous at, at talking to people about Jesus and telling people to come and see. And so if you ever get annoyed by that and you wonder, why are Christians always trying to convert me and tell me about Jesus? This is the reason because of this one thing that Jesus said. It's the most compassionate thing he ever said. And here it is, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here it is right here. This is, this is why Christians can't remain silent. Because of this one statement Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And so you can't get to the Father by observing the five pillars of Islam. You can't get to the Father by following the eightfold path of Buddhism. You can't get to the Father by observing the Jewish Torah and the law that's contained in there. You can't get to the Father even by being a good person and trying to do more good than you do bad. No, Jesus said the only way for someone to have a relationship with God, for someone to be forgiven, redeemed, restored, made right, find the peace and the hope and the life they've been longing for, the only way is through me. And what happens is, is people hear that and they say, that sounds exclusive. And it is. People push back on that and they say, well, hold on. What about people who didn't grow up in a Christian household? What about people who never heard about Jesus? What about people who had a pastor or a priest abuse them or do something they shouldn't have? What about people who sincerely follow their religion? What about people who just try to be good? What about them? You're telling me they're going to go to hell? And it's because of a mindset like that. It's no wonder that two-thirds of Americans believe that, that all paths lead to God. Like, like you're, you're on your path and, and I'm on my path, but the thing is our paths are on the same mountain. And so as long as we continue down our path, eventually we'll get to the top peak and, and we'll get there. It'll all work out. And so what you're describing is, is really an ear and you're describing a trunk and you're describing a tusk and you're describing a leg and you're describing a tail. But the thing is we're all describing different parts of the same elephant. I mean, it's all the same elephant. And so you have your way to God, I have my way to God, we all get to God in the end. Not according to Jesus. Jesus said the only way for you to find the life you've been longing for is through me. Because I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And some people hear that and they say that's so controversial. But I want to show you why it's not controversial, it's compassionate. And this is the reason why if you're a Christian, you cannot remain silent. This is the reason, if you're not a Christian, why Christians can't shut up about their faith. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples and friends, um, said the, the same thing to a, a crowd of critics in Acts chapter 4, 12. He said this, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God. And this is why, if you're not a Christian, you've been bombarded with Christians trying to tell you about Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, maybe hear that last sentence. And if you are a Christian, maybe hear that last sentence and you say, wait, 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 you're, you're off. I mean, that's not my experience at all. I haven't been bombarded by Christians trying to tell me about their faith. I don't have people constantly trying to tell me about Jesus and telling me to come and see. That actually is not the case. I don't have people coming to me trying to tell me about Jesus. And, and if you were to say that, then I, your experience is actually really typical. Because most people don't have Christians trying to tell them about their faith. If that's your experience, it, it, it sounds a lot like this, this one lady's experience. She said this, you know what's really odd? All those years of high school and college, I was a very visible person, had lots of friends and received a college basketball scholarship at a major university, yet no one, no family member, peer, girlfriend, teacher, coach, professor, fan, not one person ever told me about Jesus. All those years, all those people, and not one time did someone try to tell me the truth. Finally, when I was 21, someone shared how they met Jesus, and it radically changed my life. And her, her experience really resonates and, and falls in line with what Dr. Tom Rayner, the author of The Unchurched Next Door, said, only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 
98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. And it's because of that I need to teach on this. Because here's what we believe. If you're a Christian, we believe that everyone spends eternity somewhere. And people every single day are passing into eternity. They're going to one of two places, either heaven with God in relationship with God to be with him forever. Or to hell separated from God where the scriptures teach there's agony and torment forever. This is what the Christian faith proclaims. Now, just take a moment and think about how ridiculous that sounds for us to believe that and yet not say anything. I mean, if somebody who didn't even believe what Christians believe, that wait, people pass into eternity, they either end up in heaven or hell, and it's all dependent on what they do with Jesus? You believe that? Yeah, we believe that. Well, then, why aren't you sharing that with people? Why aren't you telling people that? Do you see how ridiculous it sounds for us to really believe that? People are passing into eternity. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere, and yet we remain silent because we're too afraid to say something. We're unsure. We're insecure. I don't really know what to... What to that would be like me, like knowing that at the end of this path over here, there's like this three-headed slime monster that wants to eat you and dissolve you in its stomach acid. And I see you walking down this path, and I just wave by and say, hey, hi and let you pass on by. It's like, are you kidding me? You know that, and you're going to let me walk on by? It's because of what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. It's because of that that we cannot remain silent. And if you're a Christian and you fully understand this sentence, it will propel you to invite like never before. And so I want to break down this, this sentence that, that Jesus said. First, Jesus said this, I'm the way. I am the way. And the implication here is that people need a way. The, the idea is that people need a way to be found. And so really what Jesus is saying here is that I am the way for lost people to be found. More pointedly, I am the way for God's lost kids to come home. It's only through me. I am the way. And I love this, this word to describe people uh, as being lost. And it's not an offensive word, and, and, and I hope you don't take offense at it, but, but people are lost. I mean, people get lost all the time. I, I get lost. If it weren't for Google Maps and my phone, I'd be lost all the time. But people in life are lost. And oftentimes when you get lost, it's not because you want to be lost. It's just something that happens. And, and Jesus explained this a little more in Luke chapter 15. He tells these three stories of lost things. He says there's this one sheep that's part of a flock, and he wanders off, and he gets lost. The, the sheep wanders and is lost. See, there are people in our life, there are people that you know, people I know, who are lost because they've just wandered. They have no sense of direction or, or purpose. They, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. And so they're lost because they've wandered. But the great thing is, if you're a Christian and you've met Jesus, you know the person who's the way. You know how to help them get found. Jesus said there's this coin that gets lost, and the coin is lost because of carelessness. See, there are some people, they're just lost because they're careless with their lives. They don't mean to be lost. They're just careless with their lives. And they're careless with their lives because they don't understand their true value and worth. 
But you and I, we know the person who tells them how valuable they are. We know who can help them find their worth and value. Some people get lost because they wonder. Some people get lost because they're just careless with their life. Some people get lost like the son in the story Jesus tells. Jesus says there's a son who believes that a life without the father is better than a life with the father. So he goes to his dad. He says, I'm out. And he goes his own way. This kid gets lost because he doesn't know any better. He's ignorant. He just doesn't know. And there's some people that you know who are lost in life because they don't know any better. I mean, they think they know. They think they know the way to go. They think they're experiencing true life. But you know better than them because you know the one who knows everything. And so when we talk about people being lost, Jesus said, I am the way. So I say come and see because people are lost. People are lost. And I say come and see because I want to help them be found because I've found the way. And here's the thing. Sometimes when we talk about this, people think, well, okay, I get it. I sh okay, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And so I should tell people about him. I should say come and see. But the thing is, I don't want to shove my religion down people's throat. I don't want to pressure people. Like, I don't want to be too pushy and, like, force my religion on them. That's not what we're talking about. Because when somebody's lost, you don't force directions on them, right? You simply give them directions, and if they want to follow them, they can follow them. It's your job to help them see their loss sometimes. And sometimes people are like, no, I'm not really lost. Okay, fine, do your own thing. But it's my job to simply give people directions, to simply show people the way. And the easiest way for me to do that is to say, come and see. Come and see. You don't have to preach a sermon for them. I'll do that. You don't have to sing a song for them. Our worship team will do that. You don't have to answer all their questions. That's a journey that they can go on to figure that stuff out. Ultimately, it's just saying, come and see, because I've found the way to be found. I was lost, but now I'm found. And so I say, come and see, because people are lost. And what Jesus is saying here, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, you're going to come across some people in life who are lost. And it's your job, it's your responsibility to say, I know the way to be found. And it's only in Jesus. Well, I don't really believe in Jesus. Well, he existed, he was a real person. We're not talking about the tooth fairy. Let's talk about Jesus, the real person then. Let's start there and talk about what he said. So I say, come and see, because people are lost. Jesus said, I'm the way. The second thing Jesus said is, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. And so Jesus is saying he's the essence of truth. He is the truth, not a truth. Not one of many truths, but I am the truth. And what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth, is that I am the path to God. And what you need to understand is that every other world religion claims the same thing. Every other world religion claims that they have the path to God. But Jesus offers two things that are different from every other world religion. There's two things that set Jesus apart from every other world religion. And the first one is this. Jesus offers propitiation. There's a vocabulary word for you. Propitiation. P-R-O-P-I-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Propitiation. Spelling bee champ. 
<laughs> just joking. No, I went, to, I went to Bible college years ago, and I've spent thousands of dollars on a degree, and every once in a while I like to dip back into that and feel like my degree is worth something. So um, propitiation. Really, propitiation is this fancy word to say that, that Jesus is the substitutionary atonement for our sins. So I know that clears that up for you now. Um, but a substitutionary atonement doesn't do anything for you. What this means is that Jesus laid down his life in place of our life. Jesus went to the cross to take our sin, everything wrong with us, everything we regret, everything we hate about ourselves, everything that, that all the mistakes we've made, the way we've hurt others, the way we've hurt ourselves. Jesus went to the cross and he said, I've lived a perfect life and I will place my life on the cross instead of your life. I will pay your punishment for you. You are not good enough, but Jesus says, I'll be good for you. Every other world religion says you are not good enough, so try and be good, and maybe one day you'll be good enough for God. Christianity, Jesus says, I am God, and I will be good for you. It's a gift, and this is called grace. Grace is when we get the opposite of what we deserve, and so you and I don't deserve forgiveness. Janice in accounting at your job does not deserve forgiveness. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, but this is why we can forgive and this is why we can love because we didn't deserve it either, but Jesus came and gave it to us. And so Jesus offers us grace. The other thing is this, uh, and, and by the way, this is why we celebrate communion. Each and every week, we take time to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us by observing communion. And what's gonna happen at the end of the sermon is people are gonna come down and they're gonna pass out trays amongst the rows and in those trays are stacks of cups. Uh, the bottom cup has some bread. It reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. The top cup has some juice. It reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. But every week when we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of God's grace, of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And I want to invite you when communion is passed, feel free to take communion uh, anytime that you want. But Jesus offers us grace. The second thing that's different is that Jesus rose from the dead. We don't serve a dead savior. You can go to the tomb and his body isn't there. He's risen. And that's what we're going to celebrate next week on Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. And so here's the thing. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, I can trust what he said because he rose from the dead. I serve a risen Savior. And I can trust what Jesus said because he rose from the dead. No other world religion offers a resurrected savior. And here's the thing, they might tell stories of resurrection, but this is fact. All the evidence points to the resurrection. And our faith hinges on the resurrection. If the resurrection never happened, our faith is futile. There's no point in us being here. But we can trust what Jesus said, because he rose from the dead. And if you ever wonder... If you can keep going on, if you can press on, if you can find hope, you can know that you can. You can carry on because of the resurrection. And so if you're feeling lonely and you feel like you're going through a hard time and you're wondering, can I press on? The resurrection is proof that you can carry on. 
If your marriage is dying, the resurrection is how you can know that there's still a chance to bring life back into the relationship. If you're feeling lonely and like you're slipping into despair, the resurrection is why you know Jesus still has you. The resurrection is why you can continue on. And some of you need to not give up. You need to not quit. You need to continue to press on because the resurrection is real and the resurrection isn't something that happened. It's something that happens here and now. So we can trust what Jesus said because he rose from the dead. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. I'm the truth, the truth, the only truth. Let me just answer the question that might be on some of your minds and some of the questions that you might ask. And this is a question that people pose to me sometimes like it's a trump card, like stump the preacher. And so I just want to give you the answer because this seems to be a question that hangs people up a lot. People ask the question, what about people who have never heard about Jesus? What about them? What, what about people who've never heard of Jesus, who grew up in another country? What about all those people over there in that, in that African tribe? They're always, it's always an African tribe over there who doesn't know Jesus. You're telling me they're going to go to hell? Well, the scriptures speak plainly about it, and they give us the answer. This isn't a tough question. God's word gives us the answer. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When you seek me, God says, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. First Chronicles 28, 9, if you seek him, he will be found by you. If you seek God, he will be found by you. You will find him. And my favorite is found in Acts chapter 17. What happens is 2,000 years ago, this guy named Paul, this early church planter uh, and the author of a third of the New Testament, uh, was in this city called Athens. Well, you know, Athens, it's, it's a city today. He was in Athens, and he was at this place called the Areopagus. It's, it's there. You can go see it today where Paul was. So he's at this place called the Areopagus, and this is where um, scholars and teachers would come, and they'd debate and talk about all the different stuff that was going on in society. And so Paul's there, and, and he speaks up, and he says, hey, people of Athens, I, I notice that you're really religious. I mean, you have, you have statues to all these Roman gods all over the place. You guys are really religious. And then as I was walking around, I saw this one statue to an unknown god. And, and, and what happened is they, they made the statue because they were like, we don't want to miss any of the gods and the Roman deities. And so, so we're going to make this god just in case we're missing one. We won't make any gods mad. And so they make this god. They said, this is to an unknown god. And then Paul says, I saw that statue to an unknown god. Let me tell you about this unknown god. He's actually the one true God. And, and here's what he did. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so this, this one true God appointed where you would live, when you would live. And here's why he did it. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. And so according to these passages, if you don't know God, God has made, it, uh, made a way for you to know him. God has ordained when you would live and where you would live so that you would reach out and find him because he's not far from any one of us. And so you may have felt far from God, but God was never far from you. God has ordained for you to be here in this place now so that you would have yet another chance to accept him if you've never accepted him. Well, what about all those other people? Don't worry about those other people. Worry about yourself. Have you made the decision to say yes to Jesus? Have you made the decision to say, Jesus, I believe in you, 
And because I believe you died for me on the cross, you rose again from the dead, I want to follow you. I want to make you the leader of my life, and I want to be baptized into you. And, and it's in this decision, when we're baptized into Christ, we enter into God's family. The, we go from being lost to now found. And I wonder, have you ever made the decision for yourself? Because God has given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and this is yet one more opportunity for you to be found. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to say, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross, you rose again from the dead, and because of that belief, I want to follow you. The Bible says, repent of your sins. I want to I I leave my old way, and I want to follow your way. I want to be baptized into you. If you've never made that decision, would you make that decision right now, today? When you came in, you received a, a note card, and at the bottom of that note card is a connect card. On the back of it, there's a box that says, I want to know more about baptism. Would you check that box? Drop it off at the black tables. we got some people there who would love to talk to you about getting baptized and maybe even getting baptized next week on Easter. And so if you're ready to make that decision, this is your chance. This is your time. Don't worry about all those other people. Worry about yourself. And listen, I'm not asking um, were you baptized as a baby or, 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 or did you grow up going to church? I'm talking about has there been a time in your life where you nailed it down and you said, God, I believe that you died for me. I want to follow you and I want to be baptized into you. If not, today's the day to decide that. So um, this is the answer. Well, what about all those people? And listen, if that bothers you, if that bothers you, I think you might be the answer to what's bothering you. Jesus said, I am the truth. I say come and see because Jesus says there's one way to God, and it's through him. And if that bothers you and you ask the question, why would a loving God send all those people to hell for not knowing him? I think God could turn the question on you and say, why would you allow those people to go to hell? Because you know the answer. You know the way. You know the truth. You know the life. You be the one to tell them. If, if it bothers you, that there are people in Papua New Guinea who don't have the Bible in their own language, and you say, somebody should do something about that. Maybe you are that somebody to move to Papua New Guinea and translate the Bible for those people. This is what Jacob and Elizabeth Smith did. The missionaries that we support as a church, they work with pioneer Bible translators. They were burdened by the fact that there, there were people in Papua New Guinea, the mum people, who did not have the scriptures in their own language, and they said, we are going to learn how to translate the scriptures. We're going to learn Greek and Hebrew. We're going to move over there with this organization, and we're going to translate the scriptures for them. We are going to be the answer for the thing that burdens us. If it bothers you that there are people here in this city who don't know Jesus, and you're asking the question, how can we start more churches like the Rising to reach more people? Maybe you should start tithing to fund and fuel the mission of this church so that we can start other churches like it to reach more people. If you wonder, what about all those people out there in that foreign village, who's gonna, maybe you need to be the person to go out there and tell them about Jesus. And if you wonder, what about the people in my office? What about the people in my family? What about my friends that I hang out with every week? Who's gonna tell them about Jesus? I know the answer, it's you. You are the one to say something. Because you know the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you hate that statement, you're looking at it wrong. 
Jesus is saying, now that you know, go share it with others. Because you can't hear that and just sit back and be silent. So I say come and see, because Jesus says there's only one way to God. And then finally, um, Jesus said, I am the life. I am the life. And this makes sense because the story of the scriptures let us know that, that God created us, that, that we were created in Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. And so everything about us comes through Jesus. So Jesus is the author of life. And so if I want to know how to best live life, I need to follow Jesus. You know people who are trying their best to live life, and they're sucking at it right now. They are doing their best, but they don't get it because they're not following the Savior who leads them to life to the full. And as you see that, man, we cannot keep silent. We have to say something. Because Jesus is the way to life, we say, Jesus, I'm not only going to make you the Savior of my soul. I can't stop there. I'm going to heaven. Got my ticket. No, no, no. Because you're the Savior of my soul, I'm going to make you the leader of my life. I'm going to follow you in everything I do. It's because Jesus is the way to life that we follow Jesus in our sexuality. We follow Jesus in our finances. We follow Jesus in our relationships, in our work, in our health, in our identity. Because the way of Jesus leads to life. You can take this statement to the bank right here. Write it down, tweet it out, put it on the Instagram, take a cute picture of me and put it up there. Following Jesus is what's best for all people at all times, in all situations. What should I do here? Follow Jesus. Because it's what's best in all times, for all people, in all situations. So Jesus said, I am the life. I say come and see because Jesus gives us life. This is the most compassionate thing Jesus ever said. Because he didn't just create us and have us live here and just try and figure it out. He gave us the instructions. If you want to have life, the only way is through me, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then after Jesus said this, um, a few, a few uh, sentences later, he tells this story about the kingdom of heaven and how we should bring people into the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven isn't just this place that we fly off to one day when we die, but the kingdom of heaven is about life here and now. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like, like this banquet, it's this party, and um, he, he, here's how he sets it up. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those he had invited, come, for everything is now ready. So he does this. He says, hey, I'm having a party. You guys want to come? And they all say, yeah, we're going to come. And now the party is ready. And he sends his servants out to say, okay, the party's ready. Come on. But they all alike, verse 18, began to make excuses. The first said, well, I just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to test them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And I don't know about you, but when I invite people to come and see, when I invite people to sit with me, I hear excuses from people sometimes. Well, I'll try. I'll see what I could do. Man, it's really hard for me to wake up on, on Sunday. Sunday's my day off. Uh, you know, and I hear these excuses, and 
And a lot of them are just lame, right? And we could tell lame excuses. I mean, you could tell lame excuses in this story right here. The, the guy says, well, I just bought a field. Let, let me go see it first. What kind of idiot buys a field without seeing it first? That's lame. I think, I wonder if you just made that up or if you really did buy a field without seeing it first. If so, we got to talk about how to buy stuff. Uh, another one. I just bought some oxen. I got to go test them out. Why are you going to buy oxen without test driving them first? What, what is that about? It's a lame excuse. And we hear those excuses and we're like, lame, lame sauce. Come on. Hey, but, but we hear those same excuses from people and we're just like, okay, well, I guess may, maybe another time. Right? Hey, hey, you should come and see this Sunday, this Easter. Would you come and see? Well, I'll try. I'll see what I could do. Okay, yeah, that'd be great if you could try. You, you know what that phrase, I'll try, I'll see what I can do? You know what that is, right? That's a person's non-committal way of saying no. I'll try, I'll see what I can do. And oftentimes we just hear that and we say, okay, that's fine, we'll, we'll see. But, but you wouldn't take that excuse for anything else. The person who pays your paycheck, if you went to them and you say, hey, I got to get paid, and they say, well, I'll see what I can do. You'd be like, no, you won't see what you'll do. You, you will pay me or we're going to have words. You're going to push back on that. But, hey, you should come and see. Well, I'll try. I'll see what I can do. Okay, maybe, hopefully, one day. Sometimes we need to push back. We need to be a little bolder. Here's why. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You don't understand what you're missing out on. I can't, I can't just accept that lame sauce excuse and then move on. No, no, no. Let me tell you about the one who saved me. People, people say, well, I can't. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm real busy. I'm real busy. Welcome to life. So is everybody else. I'm real busy. You're busy on Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? What are you doing at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning? Nothing. Here's how I know. Because nobody's doing anything at Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Drive around on the streets, nobody's out. Because you're not busy on Sunday at 10 a.m. And if you are so busy that you are booked Sunday morning every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Let's talk about time management. Because, l listen, Chick-fil-A serves more people than you do. Chick-fil-A makes more money than you do, and they take Sunday off. Let me talk to you about time management. You're not busy. Come on, come on. And listen, we, we, make, we, make, we, make, we make time for what's important to us. Man, I'm not just talking about people who aren't Christians. Now I'm talking about people who are part of this church who come once a month. I'm busy, I'm busy. Oh, Dave, I don't want to hear this. We hear the lame excuse. You hear them, man, you hear them. But listen, I can't, I can't stop there because I know the one who has life and you got to come and see. Well, it's hard for me to wake up. No, it's not. You know how I know it's not hard for you to wake up? Because you got a job and you wake up to go to that. And you don't say to your boss on Tuesday, it's hard for me to wake up. They said, go find a new job. We can wake up. And you're an adult, right? So we got to push back on the excuses. Well, I don't know. Sunday's my day off. I didn't ask you to come build an engine. I'm not asking you to come paint. I asked you to come sit with me. Here's, here's, why, here's why I hit on this, and, and I only got a few responses from a few people. Because we need to be a bit more bold in our faith. We need to push back a little bit more. I'm not saying be pushy. 
I'm just saying, no, no, you don't understand what you're saying no to. Because you got to come and see if you knew what was in store for you, if you knew what you were going to experience, if you knew that you were going to sit there and our band was going to sing like they sang, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I came. I hope you have the mindset when it comes to getting people here that you say, if I could just get them here, then they're going to say, I can't believe I was missing this that whole time. We've got to push back, not be pushy, not shove it on people, but can I just... Can I just challenge that excuse a little bit? Because what you're missing out on is way too important for me to just say, okay, we'll try. Because I found life. I found life. Still another, now, so, so some excuses are lame and we do have to push back on them, but some excuses are legit. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Okay. Do your thing, have fun, brother. But you can't use that excuse next week because I've been married and I know that as time goes on, you're not busy all the time. Well, I just got married so I can't come. You know, we hear lame excuses all the time. But what we're inviting people to is, is too important to just give in to that. What we're inviting people to is too important to, to give up and stop and just give one invitation. There are some people I've invited over and over and over again, and I'm praying for those seeds because I'm praying that one day their heart would open up and they'd say, oh yeah, let me come to that church. What we're inviting people to is too important to give up on, is too important to remain silent on. So as the servant came back and reported to the master, hey, they're not coming. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, well, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. There's still room in the house. We're not at capacity yet. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, well, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. Not passively ask. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. The master said, there's, heard that there's still room. We still have capacity. So he said, go out and compel them to come in. Here's why. Because you've seen the spread. You know what we're offering people. You've seen the entertainment for the night. You know this is going to be an experience people don't want to miss out on. So do whatever you got to do to get them here because there's still room in the house. Compel them to come in. I don't want them to miss out. Because Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I understand this, this is an exclusive statement, but here's the good news. The invitation is for everyone. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, but everyone is invited. Everyone can come find life. And again, if you haven't accepted that invitation, my hope is that you would do that today. But I wanted to do something a little differently today. Like I mentioned, um, we set out every chair that we own today. I asked our team, I said, can we just set out every single chair that we own? because I want the people of our church to see that there's still room in the house. I said, maybe, maybe people come to our church and, and we don't always set it up this way. We, we set out minimal chairs and then we add rows as needed. But maybe they come and they think, well, it's, it's full. 
I mean, why would I invite people? There's no room. But I wanted you to see what could be. As we set this up, people were saying, man, get used to this. I said, I hope so. I said, I hope we got to set up this room like this every single week. But, but there's still more than this. There's still more than this. We're going to set up this room next week for Easter like this. We're doing one worship experience on Easter. Normally we do two. But I said, let's do one this year. Because I want this place to be packed out. And I want the people of our church to see something they've never seen before. Last year we had 527 people come for Easter. That's over double our attendance. I said, I want the people of our church to see what could be. So let's just do one experience and pack this place out. We counted, we have 365 chairs. That's the ones you're sitting in, but that's also uh, stools and, and high back chairs and everything like that. So we're gonna rent 100 more chairs for next week so that we can fill this place up with chairs. Because there's still room in the house. I want to show you one more thing. I want to show you one more thing. At the back, there's a door that leads to a stairway that goes upstairs. And on that door, we have this sign. It says, Reserve for Overflow. Now, I'll tell you the reason why we put that sign on there. Good God, I'm going too long. Is this all right? Can, can you give me four more minutes? We have that sign up there, Reserve for Overflow. Really, the reason why we put it up there it's because we were trying to be nice. We didn't want to be like, stop sitting up here. Because what, what we found is there was a problem. People were like, oh, I want to go sit upstairs so I can feel cool. But there was still room downstairs. So we said, no, we'll just have upstairs for overflow. So if we run out of room downstairs, then we'll seat people upstairs. But you know, since we put that sign up, we've never had to use overflow. And I wanted to let you know, that kills me because there's still room in the house. And there's still people who need hope and life. I wanted to, to show you, look, we set up the stools and the chairs for how they're gonna be next week, but I wanted to show you up along the balcony that there's still room all over. And these are empty seats that people aren't sitting in. People who need to be here aren't here yet because they haven't been compelled to be here. I, I said, let's set up every chair, and I wanted it to feel kind of empty in here because I wanted you to see that there's still room in the house. I wanted you to see with every empty chair, there's, there's room for your dad to be here, to sit right here in the seat. With every empty chair, this row, one, two, three, four, five people who should be here, who aren't here, there's empty seats for them. There's empty seats here for your cousin, for your sister, for your brother. There's seats over here in this section. That you, that you hang out with. You see every single week. Your friends on Facebook that you talk with every once in a while. There's still room. There's still room in the house. There's still room in the house. And the master said, go out and compel them to come in. 
because there's still room in the house. And as long as there's still room, we can still fill this place up. So I want to urge you, I want to invite you, I want to declare to you today, compel them to come in because there's still room. Next week, let's make it so there's standing room only. There's still room in the house. So go out and compel them to come. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.